Good morning. How is everybody? Kathy, you did a great job. I love that song, Open the Eyes of Our Hearts. They, uh, on the men's walk, that's the song they play probably like 30 times within the weekend. Well, it's the centering song. They play it before I ever talk. And you get there and you see 42 pilgrims standing there like this, just, you know, mouthing the words. They don't even want to sing it. And before it's over, you're seeing 42 men standing there with their hands up, just singing, holy, holy, holy. And man, it, it is just an amazing thing just to be able to experience. And then the song you were playing there in communion, Amazing Love. Man, you, you just, it's such a surreal moment. And you sit there and you just think, man, in all I do, I honor you. Man, it just sends chills down my body. So, once again, Kathy got me in my feels. She's going to have to stop doing that before I get up here. So we'll bring a little humor. Y'all know how I like to pick on Lurleen. And I'm hoping that her daughter and grandkids and everybody else watches this. So if y'all happen, happen to be friends with them on Facebook, make sure you tag them because they need to see this. So yesterday during uh, Name That Tune, we were playing this song. And Lurleen was sitting there. And we were all sitting there looking at her thinking, well, is she ever going to say it? And then finally the end of the song comes and it says, TCU. So that's when she realized that we were playing her fight song. And she didn't know it. <laughs> so, don't let her lie to y'all. She's not as big a fan as she says she is. <laughs> but we did have a good time and, and I just want to thank everybody that helped out. It was awesome. We hope to be doing more stuff like that. We do have a game night planned for next month where it will be just for everybody. We can just come together and fellowship and have a good time. And last night was awesome. This team did win. That team may have got a little bit of help, but this team still won. So it's all good. Uh, so real quick, we'll talk about the mission trip. I think we have nine people signed up right now. But man, don't let money get in your way because we're going to do plenty of fundraisers. Don't let your age get in the way because there's plenty of stuff to do. Most importantly, don't let Satan's lies and excuses get in your way. You know, I, I've said it and said it and said it. You know, pray about it. And if God leads you, don't let anything stop you. Uh, I put it off for like five years from the time I first found out about it. And I'd tell my wife and kids, we're going. And then, no, we're not going. We're going. No, we're not going. And then luckily, last year, my wife stepped up and said, we're going. So, like any good man, I did what she told me. <laughs> so, I'm very thankful that she... She did step up and say, let's go, because I had an amazing time, and I can't wait to go back this year. So we do have plenty of fundraisers. Uh, we're going to be doing T-shirt sales, uh, little cups, tumblers, whatever they are, sales. Lila had an awesome idea that we're going to be doing once it warms up a little bit. Awesome, awesome. I told everybody about it, and they're really excited, so it's going to be awesome. Uh, we'll do some bake sales, you know, uh, Gerald's Classroom is going to do a fundraiser next month for the, or next week for the fellowship. And then, of course, we have the donations. So it's going to be awesome. Last night or yesterday, I went to a, a walk meeting in Monday, and a guy walked up to me and handed me a check. He said, I don't know why. He said, but God told me to give this to you all. So it wasn't a huge check, but it was a check. But it was, you know, just out of the blue. He just handed it to me and said, God told me to give this to you. So, so God's putting it all together. So don't miss out on this opportunity. So we'll get started now. Will you please stand?
It's going to be Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. It says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. Will you pray with me? My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and thank you for this opportunity just to come together. Father, I pray that your message will just uh, resound in our hearts and our minds, and that you'll just open our eyes, open our eyes, or the, hearts, the eyes of our hearts, Lord, so that we can just hear your word and understand your word. Father, I pray that you'll just remove me from the situation and just let your words flow through me. Father, I love you, I praise you, and I give you all the glory. I ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen. So please be seated. So, Jesus has been preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he's been teaching us the characteristics of heaven and its citizens. You know, they're, they're the poor in spirit. They're the ones that cry out for salvation and for sanctification. The world, they're the ones that see the need for God when others don't. They're the mourners. When the world enjoys and promotes sin, kingdom-minded believers mourn about it. They're supposed to be the salt and the light of the earth. They're the ones that affect others positively, positively, and they are the beacon of truth. And they are more than just outwardly righteous. They pursue inner righteousness through spiritual disciplines like giving, serving, praying, fasting, and confessing sins. And as they get rid of the sin in their own lives, they help others do the same in order to honor God. And then Jesus gives us two different roles to choose from. The narrow road of the kingdom or the broad road of the world. He says that many will follow the broad road, while only a few will take the narrow road, for the narrow road is difficult to find and difficult to follow. And then to add to that difficulty, he tells us that there will be false prophets that will try to deceive us. They'll tell us the things that we want to hear and not the things that we need to hear. They will come in the form of your family, your friends, community leaders, and even pastors. And finally, he ends the sermon by telling us that some of us will not enter the kingdom because of self-deception. Now think about that for a minute. Can you just imagine not getting into, king into the kingdom because you thought you knew best? Because you thought your ideas were better than his? And Jesus drives home the importance of obedience to what he taught by saying, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do, that, not do the things which I say? And then he gives us the parable of the two men building two separate houses. One man builds his house on the rock so that it stood when the flood came. The other man built his house without a proper foundation, and when the flood came, it was a total loss. See, in this parable, the foundation is obedience to Christ's teaching. The man that, built, that, man that didn't build his foundation, when he heard the teachings, agreed with them superficially as seen by the fact that he calls him Lord. But he didn't obey them, which resulted in tragic loss. So Jesus is telling us that obedience to Christ is not optional because it is the very foundation of the Christian lifestyle. 
And I know what you're thinking. Faith is the foundation of the Christian life, not obedience. After all, we are saved by grace through faith, apart from works, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And those who believe in Jesus have eternal life, John 3, 16. And when we think about obedience, we think about following rules and the laws, and we're no, no longer under the law, right? So how can I say that obedience is the foundation? That's because we have to take a deeper look at, what saving, at saving faith. Saving faith will always result in, in a life of holiness and good deeds. Most people that quote Ephesians 2, 8, 9 fail to quote verse 10. For we are, here work, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And those that quote John 3.16 fail to go on and quote John 3.36, which states, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. See, notice that it doesn't say those that don't believe in the Son. It just simply says those who don't believe the Son. Or in other words, he who does not obey the Son shall not see life. So we need to understand that there's a huge difference between believing something and believing in something. In James 2.19, it says, You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. You see, Satan knows that there's a God. He believes that there's a God. But he doesn't follow him and he doesn't obey him. And in the New Testament, there are many verses that leak saving faith with obedience. You go to the next slide, please. It links save, saving faith with obedience and unbelief with disobedience. So here's a list of several of them. I'm just going to read a couple of them. <clears throat> y'all can write these down and look them up later if y'all want to. Acts 5.32 says, And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given those who obey him. <clears throat> Romans 2, 4-10 says, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impotent heart, <clears throat> you are tre treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life for those who, by patient continuance in doing good, doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, to the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also the Greek. And then Hebrew 5, 9, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. You see, if a person's received a new life through faith in Jesus, that new life will result in good, good fruits and good deeds. You see, we are saved by grace through faith apart from works. But the faith that saves always results in good works. Now, Jesus isn't teaching, or not, we know that we can't live a perfect life, and Jesus isn't preaching or teaching us that we have to live a perfect, sinless life in order to enter his kingdom. But he's teaching what James later says, faith without deeds is dead. So in these few verses, Jesus shows us three reasons why obedience to him as Lord is not optional. So number one says, obedience 
is not optional because it is the true test of professing Christ. If we call him Lord, we prove it by doing what he tells us to do in his word. He governs all life down to our very thoughts. Obedience to Jesus as Lord is not an option just for those who want to be more committed. It is an essential part of Christian life. See, in Matthew 7, 21, it says, not, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, that's a pretty scary verse right there. You see, Jesus goes on to mention all the impressive things that these people have done in his name, but they will be rejected at the gates of heaven because they also practice lawlessness. Outwardly, these people would have seen to others as righteous, but God looks at their hearts. God knew their selfish motives, their lustful thoughts, their greedy desires. And even though they prophesied in his name, cast out demons, and performed miracles, they were turned away from heaven. See, outward obedience is not enough. We have to bring our thoughts and attitudes into submission to Christ. And if we call Jesus Lord, then he needs to be Lord over every single part of our lives. And we also need to look a little deeper into the warning that Jesus gives us here. His warning is the danger of, of deception. See, these people who had done all these things in his name were shocked when Jesus tells them to depart from him that he never knew them. See, these were the people that call him Lord. These were the believers, not the unbelievers. And if you ask these people if they were Christians and followers of Jesus, they would all say, yes, of course we are. But they were sadly mistaken. And see, this warning goes out to many people today. Many people in this world call themselves Christians and say that the Lord is their Savior. But Jesus examines their hearts. Do we really seek to obey him, even down to the thought level? Do, you, do we judge our sins in light of his word? Or could we be fooling ourselves? Are we excusing our disobedience by claiming that we're under grace? Do we justify ourselves by saying everyone else is doing it? You see, obedience on the heart level is not just for the super committed. It is the true test of whether your faith in Christ is genuine or counterfeit. And number two, obedience is not optional because it is the foundation that will stand the test of time and eternity. The first home builder represents the man who not only hears the word, but also acts upon it. He went through the trouble of digging down deep into the soil until he hit bedrock. He anchored his foundation into the bedrock so that his house rests on a solid foundation. When the storm hit and the flood came, the house stood because it was built well. See, the house represents our lives, and we're all building a house. The question is, are you building a house on the solid foundation of obedience in Jesus Christ, or are you just building on the sands of empty professing? Building a house takes time and a lot of expense. And as you build this house, you can install the best-looking hardware there is, have the nicest cabinets, spend the extra money, and get a custom-built fireplace, whatever you want to do. But if you're not building it on a solid foundation, you're just wasting your money. And if you build your house of your life without obedience to Jesus, you've just wasted your time. And no matter where you build your house, you can be sure that the storms are coming. See, the flood represents both trials of this life 
and the future judgment of when we stand before God. The people who build their houses on the obedience of Jesus will have a solid foundation that will carry them through both of these floods. But the people that profess to know Christ and do not walk in obedience will be wiped out when the trials come and will be totally ruined when they stand before the judgment of God. You see, there's only two results. One house stands, one house falls. There's no middle ground where the house survives with just a little bit of damage. This points to the fact that there are two final destinies for us, heaven and hell. Those who believe in Jesus as revealed through their obedience will be in heaven, while those who profess to know Jesus but deny him by their disobedient life will be in hell. Titus 1.16 says they profess to know him, but in works they deny him, being an abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. You see, from the outside, both of these houses look the same. But, there's a huge, but there was a huge difference when the flood came. One house stood while the other house fell to pieces. See, the difference was the hidden part, the foundation. The foundations aren't glamorous. They take a lot of time and energy to build, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of denying yourself. But they are essential for us to overcome the storms of life. So what are some of the floods that will test our faith? Trials such as disappointments, setbacks, sicknesses, loss of jobs, loss of loved ones, being let down by your friends, being lied to by family members, losing health and strength as we get older, temptations that come from Satan, some like drugs and alcohol are pretty obvious, while others are more subtle, like cheating on a test, and setting your minds on the pleasures of riches. Man, I had that wrote down before we cheated last night, so <laughs> that really just backfired on me. So all these floods test whether we are true disciples of Jesus or just fair-weather followers that are not sincere in our faith. And of course, the final flood that everyone will face will be standing before God. See, he knows everything about us. We may have fooled everyone here on earth, claiming to be Christians while living in disobedience. But the flood will come crashing down when we stand before him. See, the Bible is very clear that this day is certain and final. Only those who lived in obedience to God's word, constantly examining themselves by it, judging their sins, and seeking to please God will stand in heaven, while those who say, Lord, Lord, but have not obeyed him will be ruined forever. Which brings me to the final point, number three. Obedience is not optional because those who don't obey Christ face sudden and final destruction. So we may be wondering why anyone would build a house without a foundation. That's just dumb, right? But there are several reasons. First, it involves a lot of time and energy to dig down to the bedrock. And the foolish man, he was just lazy. It was much easier just to build it without a foundation, so he followed the path of least resistance. See, this is a spiritual parallel to this. Disobedience is often easier than obedience. And it seems at the time that you will get to where you want to go faster than the more difficult path of obedience. See, the guy that just threw up his house without the foundation was sitting inside, sipping lemonade and watching the Super Bowl, while his neighbor was still out digging a hole in the hot sun. 
And he was probably wondering why his neighbor was putting in so much work. But when the flood comes, he'll know. And another reason that God didn't bother with the proper foundation was because he wanted the immediate benefits without taking the necessary time and labor to build it correctly. See, he already had a roof over his head. His furniture was moved in. His wife was already hanging pictures and decorating. And again, the other guy's still out there digging a hole. Spiritually, a lot of people come to Jesus for the benefit he offers. Seemingly, a lot of people, are, they instantly enjoy the, the blessings of salvation, even though they have not repented for their sins. They enjoy the music, of, the feeling of singing worship and praise and worship songs and swaying with the music. They like the love and fellowship of the body of Christ, but in their private life, they are not digging the foundation of obedience in God's word. And when the flood hits, their spiritual house will come crashing down. And a third reason the man didn't build on a solid foundation was he was short-sighted. He was living for the here and now. The weather was nice when he built the house. The riverbed was dry, and the thought of a flood was the last thing on his mind. Spiritually, we do the same thing. It's easy to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior when things are going good, when we can walk around and brag about all the good things that we do, when other people are giving us praise for all the things that are going on. But see, their motives were self-pleasing and not to please God. They weren't willing to labor for the future with a view of the upcoming judgment where we will hear either, depart from me, I never knew you, or well done, my good and faithful servant. So in closing, what can we do to make sure our house is built on the rock of obedience and not on sand? Jesus mentions three things in Luke 6, 47. Come to him, hear his words, and act upon them. Come to Jesus implies that you have a personal one-on-one relationship with him. Hearing his words applies that you have knowledge and understanding of God's word. And you get that by daily feeding on the Bible, learning from it how he wants you to live. And third, act upon his word implies a soul-searching obedience down to your thoughts, motives, and attitudes. Compare your life to scripture. When you read a psalm that says, praise the Lord and sing for joy, ask yourself, is your mind filled with praise and joy? Or is your mind marked with gripping and complaining? See, we have to apply the scripture to our life. There's a 100% chance that the flood's coming in your life. It may be trials while we're still on earth, or it may be when we stand before God, but it's coming. If your foundation is built on the obedience to God, then you have nothing to worry about. But if it's not, you better start digging. Will you please stand? We'll open up the altar for anyone who wants to confess any sins, or you can confess sins right where you're at. You don't have to come up here. But the altar is always open for anybody that needs prayer, anybody that wants to join the church, or if you just want to talk. But we'll pray, and the altar will be open. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this message. Father, I just pray that you'll just speak to our hearts, and speak to our minds, Father, and just let us, let us know that just professing that you are God is not, is not all there is to it, Father, that we are to walk in obedience. Father, we read all through the Bible, and it just tells us all the, the disobedience and the things that's happened and what's happened to the ones that were obedient. Father, I just pray that your word will just resonate in our hearts and our minds and that you will just take the hearts of stone and turn them into hearts of flesh, Father, and just let us be servants of you. Father, just let all we do glorify you. 
love you and we praise you. I ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen.